welcome to this Trimble HOK Cornet podcast. With me today, I'm joined by Bill Mitchell, and I'd like to ask Bill to briefly introduce himself. Over to you, Bill. Thank you, Simon. Hello, my name is Bill Mitchell. I'm an architect and a practice leader with HOK's space management practice. In my role, I have a great opportunity to work with global real estate clients and their end users. This has given me a great perspective into the changing world of workplace over the last 30 years, and I'm really excited about the next 18 to 24 months to see what happens as a result of everything we're experiencing today. Thank you, Bill. And my name is Simon Blenkine. I head up our partner program at Trimble Real Estate and Workplace Technology. And it is my pleasure today to ask Bill a series of questions and I hope that we can elicit some, some great dialogue and indulge ourselves in some uh, free thinking around how the impact of the virus and how workplace will evolve moving forward. So our First question today is, as we all know, COVID-19 will and has had a profound and global impact on the workspace in 2020. I'd like to ask Bill what uh, what we've learned about the uh, the return to the office and the planning and the number of people who crave the in-office routine uh, and those who are showing interest in something perhaps a little different. Bill, what what are your thoughts on that? Thanks, Simon. That's a good question. I think uh, probably within our own organizations and other groups that we're working with, most of us have seen some form of return to the office survey being undertaken. I think the results of those are are often very consistent globally, but there are exceptions. Uh, I think for, for us in one area in Hong Kong, certainly based on their experience with SARS back in the early 2000s, they've they've got a readiness and a willingness to return to work much faster. Uh, Some of the common themes we're seeing in the surveys, not surprisingly, there's an instant and uh, much increased comfort with working remotely from home, Um, even if people aren't properly equipped to do so. uh, Most of us uh, went home very quickly without the opportunity to set up a proper office. Um, The the growth and expansion in communication tools has been really helpful. Uh, Tools like Zoom and WebEx that have enabled us to to, uh, audio conference and video conference seamlessly, even with the kids and the dog at home. Uh, So I think that's going to change people's work habits moving forward. We'll probably see a strong continuation of uh, the desire to work remotely, maybe one to two days in the future. And uh, we're certainly seeing from those surveys a lack of willingness for desk sharing uh, in the short term as people return to the office. Bill, talk us through the, uh, talk us through the survey findings. Uh, some, some key findings that we see in, in most of the surveys, fairly consistent and not surprisingly, uh, an increased comfort and interest in working from home, uh, even if uh, individuals are not really fully prepared or equipped to do so, remembering we all went home very quickly. Uh, an increased comfort with the new and emerging communication tools, specifically video conferencing. People have become comfortable in the not-so-perfect environment with their kids and, and dogs at home. Uh, There's a strong desire in the surveys uh, that shows people are interested in continuing with the remote work, probably one to two days in future, although they are anxious to get back to the office. 
when they do return to the office, they've made it clear that there's they're far less willing to share a desk in the current environment in which we're living. And there's also a concern about returning to the office and getting that just right. They're coming back to collaborate, but there's no point in being in the office if your team is not there or you can't get the whole team into the meeting room. So we have to be able to find that right balance. And while there is strong interest in returning to the office, it may not be as soon as we think. And more people seem to be talking about 2021. So for those who want to return to the office, is there a pattern uh, of those who, who want in-office, in heads-down work. Uh, I'm, I'm hearing a lot at the moment that there are, uh, there are three main uses for, for the workspace. There is creative time, there's collaboration time, and then there are those who are unable to, to work remotely and need to come into the office to do their work. Um, do you have a, a feel for the number of, of those who would, who would actually need to come into the office to do their work, to have the more traditional desk space, touchdown space, to do their job, the job they can't do remotely? It, it varies depending on, on responsibilities. Uh, if people are tied to specific tools or systems or teams in the office, then the number is, is very high. Uh, more than likely we're seeing, or more commonly we're seeing sort of 10 to 20% of the organization that needs to be back in the office to more be more effective in their job. But it's a very high percentage that feel that they can continue to be effective uh, while working remotely. So Bill, how quickly do you think, on the whole, will organisations need to be able to open their doors um, back to employees to, to come in um, from both the, the touchdown space as well as the collaboration space? I've heard it said that uh, organisations would love to be able to, to start afresh uh, 1121, um, but do you get, are you getting much uh, demand and request to, to bring that forward into uh, perhaps Q3, Q4? I'm not sure I'd call it uh, demand, but there's certainly strong desire. I think we're out of sync a little bit with the the notion of needing to get back to the office versus the ability in the current environment to comfortably get back to work. And in many ways, I think we're living off the inertia that we've built, whether it's culture, relationships, projects, over many years, uh, we've, we were able to quickly leave the office and use that inertia to, to move forward in our day-to-day -day activities. Um, I think we need to get back into the office to recharge that energy. And this is more critical for those of us who've, who've brought on new hires during this period that have worked entirely remotely, have not embraced the culture of the organization yet, not even met many of their colleagues. So it's important, I think, that we get back as soon as we can, although in reality, I really don't think that's going to be as soon as we'd like it to be. So I'm, I'm getting a sense that... Um people are reluctant to come back into the office to take the commute if they if they can't do it uh, in their own vehicle if they need to take public transport if they uh, are coming back to the office they want to have absolute certainty that of course the office is clean but they have a dedicated touchdown spot whether it be a dedicated desk or that they have a booking uh, to be able to use that space uh, what's what's your take on uh, clearly, the survey results indicate that desire to have a dedicated space. Um, heightened cleaning requirements are certainly a priority for most organizations. Because there's a slow 
uh, trickle back into the office in many locations. The supply and demand of desks is not a problem with assignment. Even in a shared desk environment in the short term, assigned seats won't be a problem. Um, having the visibility of cleaning uh, during business hours may be an advantage as well so that people are not only not just informed that the space is being cleaned, they have visibility to it. But I think in the short term, we certainly can provide those assigned seats uh, to those who are back in the office early. Thanks, Bill. Um, very interesting. So leading us to, to, to the next point, uh, there's been a lot of discussion uh, about why people go into the office in the first place. Uh, certainly no one is, is missing the commute, uh, me more than anyone else. Uh, what do you feel the key changes uh, in the workplace need to be and how will they support the evolving company missions and cultures? Thanks, Simon. That's another good question. And uh, I want to start with a little bit of a caveat. It's obvious probably, but worth restating. I mean, we're in the middle of one of the largest live test remote working periods in history. And for everyone, the conditions are, are far less than ideal. Again, as I said, not everybody had a chance to set up before they moved home. When the dust settles from all of this, we need to evaluate what's worked, what hasn't worked, and not rush to judgment in terms of what the next uh, phase of the workplace evolution could look like. But some of the things that, that we've seen and we're starting to think about include um, the likelihood of increased remote work and lower utilization. You know, the numbers that are being thrown around, maybe about a 10% increase. So what does that really mean? That means um, if your desk utilization is at 60 to 70% today, that might drop to 50 or 60%. So does that mean a reduction in space? Well, might be wise to keep the current amount of space that you have today, but to rebalance it. So let me clarify that a little bit. Um, this thinking applies to groups that are already embracing activity-based working, so they can ratchet up their sharing and recalibrate a little bit. For those who aren't embracing uh, flexible work at this point in time, this is an opportunity to do so, and they may see savings in their uh, portfolio, uh, overall portfolio sizes. So some of the key challenges going forward, there's going to be an expectation of less density of the individual workspaces, maybe uh, facing in different directions as opposed to everybody facing cross desk and being uh, packed in together, more collaborative spaces, more focus spaces, because we certainly continue to hear that noise and privacy are strong open office concerns. And, and another thing that will be, I think, new uh, will be a shift from the client experience. Often the client is brought right into the workplace, into the meeting rooms, uh, get some visibility into the energy of the work group. And we still want to have an authentic client experience, but there's likely going to be greater separation from the workplace moving forward. So I felt, Bill, that moving to this Work, working from home was forced upon us, as you say, in a very, very short space of time. What is, what could, could be argued that would have taken five or six years to get us to this point where we are today was done in, you know, a little over a week. Uh, how quickly do you think people will adapt to the next step of, of finding the balance between homework and in-office collaboration? Do you think it will be as quick um, as as we've seen moving to this this remote working, I do. I think people are are very resilient, and although they've established very quickly a new um, working norm, I think there are a lot of inputs to that for people with children. Obviously, they're balancing schools being closed, uh, maybe taking care of senior. Uh, 
parents or other seniors in their lives. I think once everything returns closer to normal, I think people can readjust to the uh, to the old uh, work style of commute and work. Uh, but there will be some things that they're leaving behind that they'll wonder how they can uh, recover. So we, we've talked about complacency, Bill, uh, and we've seen the emergence of, of lockdowns in other parts of the world. Um, with people coming back into the office, do you think they will will naturally fall back into their their old familiarized setting of I'm going to come in and I'm going to do my work and then I'm going to go home and live my life? Um, or, or do you think people will be continue to be very cautious for, for a long period of time? Do you think people slip back into their old ways of working is what I'm trying to say? I think I think when you uh, look at complacency, as you've described it, there are people who will very quickly slide back into the old ways of working. There are others, for whatever reasons, their own reasons, um, will will take a little longer to to reintegrate back into the the workplace and and find their their norm. So I, I don't think it's a one size fits all. Um, it depends on your own personal and professional drive and your comfort level. Uh, you know, with the post-COVID conditions. Yeah. And right now, we've, we've not really talked too much about um, pumping the gas from, from the perspective of, of reclosing uh, a workspace. Uh, they're talking about a lot of localised track and trace. Uh, and we've seen that in, in Melbourne, just to, to call out a, uh, a recent example, where, of course, all of those uh, organizations will have to shut their doors, go back into lockdown again, and, and we will see uh, another cycle. And th this could happen two, three, four times. Do you think companies have, have accepted that that is a high probability or, or do you see them thinking it, it just won't happen to our, won't happen to our company or won't happen to our geography? I absolutely think that companies understand that risk, they understand the concern of their employees. And I think that's why we moved from, you know, four to six weeks at home to September to January. And I think most organizations are saying, you know, you don't need to come back in 2020 if, uh, if you're not comfortable, if it's not right for you, if it doesn't work. Uh, so I think that companies understand that. And I don't think they want to see that, that ebb and flow. Everybody's back, then everybody's out again. Bring core, critical, essential people back into the office that need to be there. Space them out, protect them. And those who can remain and continue to work at home should do so. Great. Okay, Bill. But perhaps give us some closing thoughts uh, to this particular point. Sure. Thanks, Simon. Um, you know, overall, in my opinion, this is a refinement for most organizations. It's not a complete rebuild of their workplace. It's a, it's building on the, on the uh, workplace strategy that they already have in place that has many of these components built into it. Uh, what we're going to see is is probably fewer people in the same space with a better distribution and choice of work settings. Great. Thanks, Bill. Okay, so considering the physical changes we've just discussed and the need for all organisations who are competing to attract and retain talent, Bill, just talk us through what you think are the biggest factors that promote a human-centric workplace moving forward. Yes, this is a really important uh important uh, area for for myself and my colleagues at HOK you know pre covid-19 i was involved in several presentations with uh, 
one of our thought leaders around workplace, Kay Sargent, and we did a number of presentations called The Rise of the Human Factor. So pre-COVID-19, we already saw um, that as a, as a huge driver for workplace in the future. You know, some of the drivers behind that, um, just rising awareness and visible signs of climate change, people thinking about the office sustainability, uh, commuting, all of those things started to change behaviors. It's definitely a demographic shift as boomers are heading towards retirement, uh, a much bigger focus on wellness with a strong focus on work-life balance and, and the ever-increasing economic pressures and drive for profitability. So, so all of those things were already starting to have an impact on the workplace. And now, uh, having gone through this COVID-19 um, pandemic, we, you know, this will all become more important that the uh, human-centric workplace as what I consider to be three really key areas. One is choice, 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 when and where work gets done. Employees were already demanding that flexibility, and we can only see that demand going up from here. More options, more control, better technology. In collaboration, um, important part of this is knowing that the people you want to collaborate with are in the office and the space you need to collaborate in is available. So this seems obvious and simple, but it's going to become even more complicated and to manage going forward as there is more remote work. It's going to become critical that people are in the office at the same time so that they can collaborate. I've had past experiences where we would have certain days where we would ensure each of the team members was be in the office so we could have our, our formal meetings and our informal collaboration. Um, so it's just something that we need to plan for. In terms of the overall real estate, we need to be uh, aware that um, as we're planning for attendance on site, we don't want to end up as in a situation where we've got over-planned attendance midweek and completely empty offices on Monday and Friday. So how do we leverage those sort of start and end days of the week to make sure we balance the use over the support of the, over the course of the week? And then the final one is really around uh, management and having supportive management who truly understand the value of this choice, the flexibility for their employees, and, and maybe creating new ways for them to manage their teams and their individuals. And this is a great opportunity for HR to lead the way when it comes to training and policies and potentially new metrics around employee satisfaction and engagement. So that's, that's interesting. So it strikes me is that perhaps we all used to um... – we used to search for the utopia of what the, the right workplace was for us. Uh, and you know, Google and Apple have got some, some amazing spaces, as many other companies do. Uh, and people aspired to that uh, because it seemed like a fun place to work. And therefore, if it was fun, it was productive. My thoughts are that we've moved a slight shift away from that. Of course, people still want to have fun, but, but well-being and striking the, the right balance seem to be forward. So knowing that I have an environment that works for me, the things I look for now are perhaps different to the things I looked for before from a talent uh, retention perspective. Talk us through what you think the changes might be if we take uh, the, the perfect environment this time last year to the perfect environment in 2021. What, what would you say those those perfect environments might look like? Well, as I mentioned earlier, I think part of it is sort of a refinement of what exists today and building on sort of the lessons we've learned to date. And, you know, I think some of the experiments that uh, – that folks like Google undertook and created, brought a lot more fun into the workplace. I think that was really helpful to break down the, the, the rigid structural hierarchical space that we used to create. And now we're trying to get 
move back to the middle ground. That that overall user experience uh, is varied. And as you've described, there are there are sort of collaborative environments that are required. There are times when there's some fun to be had. There's some time when there's some focus to be had. And we need to find the right mix of those spaces um, to create the right results. And, you know, one interesting discussion that I've been involved with in the last month or so is just the notion of a meeting room. You know, the meeting room starts with a meeting table, uh, which creates all kinds of challenges because now we've got chairs around the table and we need to remove chairs to make sure we get the right distances. And, you know, is the meeting table really helping the collaboration? You know, maybe we should be thinking about how we furnish these spaces and create more flexibility to add more people, take people away, have chairs with with tablets on them to enable the, the surface you need to write on, but not necessarily stick a table in the middle of the room that, that limits what we can do with the flexibility of that space. Uh, so I definitely see uh, fewer individual work settings going forward that are just uh, open desks, uh, more focused uh, heads down spaces where people can truly concentrate, and more flexible collaborative space. So continuing to break down the this, the typical, stereotypical um, kit of parts that we saw in the office, you know, five years ago, last year, continuing to become more flexible, more fluid, more agile. Do you think there's been a shift, Bill, uh, from the employer to the employee? Do you think there's now more focus now on the employee and the employee's well-being and that link to productivity than there's ever been before? Or would you say it's largely largely the same? I think it was increasing and it probably takes a uh, a giant step forward as a result of uh, you know current conditions. Um, but I, I think there'll be some some uh, movement back towards what's good for the business. Right now, there's a hyper focus on what's good for the employee, their health, their safety, their well-being, and, and rightly so. Uh, but I think the business is going to need to take a step back as they assess what the impacts are on their business. I mean, I'm sure that every business is doing that as uh, as we are ourselves, looking at what the impact of of being 100% remote is and, and how uh, we can take the benefits of that moving forward, but also move back to the things that make our business effective and efficient, which is collaboration, co-location, and the energy that that builds uh, within our teams. Thanks, Bill. So, Bill, moving, moving on to our final point, really, is uh, that um, one size, it would appear, does not fit all. Uh, what what are the challenges or risks with the the return uh, to office model around uh, health and wellness? And I'll add another question into that as well. Is that do you feel that businesses have have become nervous? Do you feel as though they've they've lost control, perhaps a little bit of their people, uh, whilst we've been in lockdown, and they've they've been running on perhaps goodwill and and faith and uh, honesty that the people will do what they need to do remotely uh, and that really they would feel far more comfortable if everyone returned uh, drones back drones back back to the office so they could um, feel as though they had had that uh, re-establishment of control well good, two good questions and I, and I must admit I, I, up front I'm really pleased with how most businesses that I interact with or, or work directly with have responded to that and certainly have taken the right path in terms of taking care of their employees first. Um, 
you know, in terms of the the challenges and risks, I, I think we've all now rewired our own lives you know, without a lengthy commute to and from the office, the necessary preparation to go to the office, you know, getting up and getting ready to go. Uh, for many of this, including myself, I can speak personally, I've found more time for fitness and other lifestyle changes, which I think are, are good for me. And it would certainly be hard to give all that up. At the same time, I'm also hearing people saying my my workday has gotten longer. Uh, my office is in my house, and it's easier to to continue on, to start earlier, to pick something up later in the evening. And so, maybe for them, returning to the office will restore some of that separation um, between home and work, which is much needed. That, that's an interesting point, Bill, because uh, I think a lot of people have felt as though days seem quite monotonous is that uh, and we we chatted before we came on this this podcast that uh, you, you get up and you, you start your morning routine and you you work and you don't have those uh, anecdotal chats by the water cooler or the coffee machine to to break up the day uh, and that perhaps people don't feel that it's right to just pick up the phone and, and have that uh, that water cooler moment on the phone it, it seems it seems too forced so it, it's interesting to, to see both sides of of the benefits and the downsides that remote work have have, have shown well, a couple of interesting experiences and these are really personal so i can't apply those to to, to everybody but i work i worked from home for about four four and a half years a number of years ago um, it was good. It was the right time for me and my family and the business I was working in was, was global and remote. So, so it worked very well, but I had this exact problem after the, the days became blurred, uh, home office and work life became blurred. And I moved back to the office specifically to get that rigor back into my structure. So I can see how others might be feeling that, uh, it certainly happened to me. The other interesting experience has been since we've been working remotely, my own personal team has set two uh, weekly coffee breaks where we don't talk about work. We do a video conference, and I can honestly say I feel like I know people on my team better now than I did when I was actually in the office with them because we didn't often take the time just for that informal collaborative work. So there have been some benefits, but I can see trying to find that balance and returning to the office to have the clear separation between sort of work and home life. Do you feel as though people have felt a pressure upon them to uh, to be uh, digitally visible uh, to their management, uh, perhaps more than, than perhaps they were before, so answering emails later into the evening, taking on those those video calls later into the evening than perhaps they would have finished at 5.30, 6 o'clock at night. Now they're feeling as though they, they, they need to be seen to be, to be working hard because naturally people are, are nervous about the uncertainties around the economy and, and so forth. Do you feel that when people when people return back to the office, that that will return back to, uh, to to the old norm, and is that a is that a healthier norm? Well, first of all, the visibility is, is real, and I think a lot of people have talked about the flexibility, knowing in some cases people have children at home and there's other things that they need to deal with. So a bit more flexibility of when and how work gets done. So we have actually seen that happening, but I think it's exceptional. I think most people have been have been flexible. Um, I think that there there will definitely be a challenge with the return to work and the continued uh, remote work on. Uh, on a sort of an ongoing basis. But I think this this has really helped everybody to see that people can be productive, work can continue, great things can be delivered uh, with the team working 
uh, remotely. So I think it takes out a little bit of the concern and, and fear that some certainly management may have had that, that people are effective when they're home. So, um, you know, I think it's, it's going to be finding that right balance and being digitally visible. But I think being res responsive is what people really need to be. And what I've found is that uh, perhaps that geographies or industries that, that weren't prepared to accept uh, a meeting from, from a front of house sales perspective are now open to have those conversations. It's become de rigueur to, to have a, a remote meeting, a, a web meeting, and, uh, and that has opened up the world which was otherwise closed. You would have had to have gone and seen and, and had a face-to-face -face meeting. So I guess uh, that has meant that we can be more productive because we've cut out the travel time and we've, we've now, people have now accepted us to have those remote meetings and they are as valid as an on-site meeting. Well, there's two parts to that. One is you're absolutely right. It's become just much more uh, comfortable uh, to, to work in that manner. So I, 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 as a sort of a high mileage flyer, I wonder what the impacts on my long-term travel plans are because so much stuff is, is being done without stepping on an airplane. So there's certainly that, that component to it. But I also do feel there's a certain amount of inertia. Again, as I mentioned earlier, we're living off of. You've, people have, have traveled or they've met with their clients locally and they've built those relationships. So we're building on that with continued uh, conference, video conferences and other communication tools. I still think you need to have that interaction. You still need to meet with people in person to, to create that truly uh, strong bond and relationship. So I do think that some of that uh, is critical to our success going forward. But in the interim, we've made do with the other tool sets that are available. That's an interesting point about the, the, the making do uh, and how, how long people will, will make do with make do. At what point do people go, I, I want to return, I want to return closer to, to the old world, not necessarily slip right back to where I was, but I still want to have those face-to-face -face meetings because I can't create the same rapport or see the body language uh, or for their own sanity, they just don't want to operate their entire working day uh, in, a, in, a, in a remote um, environment. I think most, if not everyone, wants that. It's They also want the balance. They want to know that they don't need to sit in the office 40 hours a week in order to have that, that they can have that and some flexibility to go with it. So it's finding the right balance. But they definitely, uh, my sense is, people want to return to some level of in-person engagement. Okay. Just to, to summarize the thoughts on this, I think you know business business health overall has been managed with expectations sort of temporarily reset, uh, focusing on the uh, the employee, which is as I said at the top, you know the right thing to do. Um, post COVID nineteen, we need to refine the balance. You know what's good for the business, what's good for the individual. I think we know that a hundred percent in the office is not. The right answer 100% work from home is not the right answer either so the silver lining of our first COVID-19 isolation is that we've been given some time uh, to think about this more holistically to think about our built environments and our work processes and think about how we can uh, see those evolve moving forward hopefully all of our newfound health and wellness gains will not be undone during this reset certainly from from the research I've, I've heard it's unclear where the the balance uh, and equilibrium will sit or finalize uh, from at 
working, home working to in-office working. Uh, but I think what's becoming clear, certainly from the, the circles that I've been speaking to, is that, that buildings won't truly be pressure tested uh, really until the earliest 2020-2021, uh, where really we'll just see those who absolutely must come back into the office because for whatever reason they can't work remotely. Um, I'm not even convinced that there'll be many uh, in-office collaboration meetings uh, until there is a vaccine. Um, but there is this period of time between now and the vaccine where organisations can, can make the necessary steps to embrace the, the new office, the new, the new workplace, uh, which is beyond that of, uh, of, of COVID and distancing and really adopting what will to be the, the true future of the workplace, collaboration and creative spaces, uh, welcoming spaces, thought-provoking and productive spaces, as well as accommodating those who do need to be in the office. Uh, and from what I'm hearing is that um, that thought process hasn't really begun yet. Uh, and organisations, or at least I'm not hearing many organisations, truly peg that to a particular time. They think perhaps in September they could be back to normal, and, and I don't believe that to be the case. We, we talked before this call that you know, it's, it's the 1st of January when when the world returns back to normal and, and we don't know that either uh, and because we don't know when the the vaccine will become available and and how effective that vaccine will will become but if you could perhaps just give us some closing thoughts bill around that subject i'd love to get your take on it well a couple of interesting thoughts and it's it's really a, there's a there's a parallel thought with sort of city infrastructure cities are seeing an opportunity now with commuting down to, to get on with the infrastructure projects with less impact. And, and similarly, you know, there's a lot of empty real estate. So now is a good time to make physical changes in the space uh, with easily accessible space before the people return. But you're placing your bets on what those changes truly need to be. Um, I believe that things will start to return to normal in 2021, and it might be 2022 or 23 before we're pressure tested. And I say that for specific reasons. One, um, people will flow back into the office slowly, uh, depending on the vaccine or a comfort level, whatever the drivers are in 2021 to get people to be comfortable coming back to the office. Two, there's an economic impact of all of this. And many companies are going to have to to be making some headcount decisions heading into 2021, uh, which may create some some uh, space gaps or relieve their pressures for growth. And certainly growth uh, will be, uh, I would expect, turned down for 2021. So all of those contributing to maybe less pressure on the space as we head into 2021, more time to assess uh, what we've learned and to evolve uh, how we work. And by the time we get into 22, 23, uh, then the pressure is going to be back on. And hopefully most real estate organizations will have had some opportunity to uh, create their resets where those trigger points have occurred within their portfolio, lease renewals, exit opportunities for floor space. Uh, you know, subleases are probably going to be less desirable in the short term with people looking for less space. So uh, certainly 2022, 23 would be my bet when the pressure really will start to hit. Great. Well, uh, thank you very much, Bill, and uh, well summed up. And 
that just remains to say that uh, thank you for listening from from Bill and myself. Uh, thank you again. This concludes this episode of What's Next. Want to record a podcast of your own? Have an idea or point of view you'd like to share? Visit cornetglobal.org to learn more.